Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where relationships are the mission and we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. Before we dive into today's sermon audio, we'd like to share an exciting opportunity with you. On March 21st, Quest is teaming up with Northeast Columbus's premier missions organization, Westerville Area Resource Ministry, or WARM, for the WARM Quest to End Poverty 5K Run and 1K Family Walk, facilitated by Premier Racing. You can register for the run, the walk, or simply just to donate by visiting gotoquest.org slash warm5k. That's G-O-T-O quest.org slash warm5k. Now, let's dive in to this week's message. Well, I am excited to be here. We're in this um, Lenten season, and uh, as we step just a little bit deeper into this series about the life of Jesus, uh, I hope that today we can walk away uh, with a very strong sense that because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done for us, uh, that we might want to offer to him our most sincerest form of worship. And um, I've found that in my own life, it's it's very easy sometimes to lose uh, that perspective of, of who Jesus is and what he's done, and, and we can move away from really understanding what it means to truly worship him. And so today, I just want to um, allow this teaching to, to serve as a reminder for who he is, how wonderful um, he is to us, and ultimately that, that he wants us to live our lives in the same way that the first people did there in the garden, without any pain or suffering, free from all of it, in deep, deep connection uh, with God. And, uh, and that, um, you know, we're, we're in the middle of this season of Lent, and that uh, on Sundays, Sundays are, are considered a, a mini Easter, a mini celebration of Jesus' resurrection. And it's through his resurrection that we do get to experience uh, this wonderful life with God. And, um, and so... I'm excited this morning because it, it, this is a great story. Um, it, it's a beautiful thing that, that we can uh, really worship him for what he's doing in our lives. Uh, with all that complicates our lives, the, the trivial things that we face every day, and sometimes those really difficult things, the painful things that we have uh, that, that can be so real for us, sometimes we forget that Christ has already defeated the grave through his resurrection. And, and, and I think that if we fail to pay attention to sometimes those little things that Jesus does for us, then we become people who, who can sometimes lack gratitude and, and worship. I mean, have you ever thought about what would make you actually jump for joy and shout out loud? I'm talking about hooting and hollering for Jesus because of something that's happened. Have you ever thought about what would make you do that? Like in my life, it might be winning the lottery, even though I don't play the lottery. Um, but that might make me jump up and down. I really don't. I'm not a gambler. Um, rest assured. Youth pastor gambles. No, he doesn't. Um, uh, no, like, but though, have, have you really ever thought about that? Like, what would have to happen to you for you to just jump out of your seat in excitement and exuberance and joy? Uh, that it, you know, just that 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 came over in my life. I think there's only a few things that could really ever make me do this, and I can only recall one time where I ever truly experienced this. Um, 
I was at the end of a very difficult season of my life. I had um, uh, spent nearly two years of incredible amounts of anxiety, um, you know, just thinking about how I was performing in my work. And, and I didn't have anyone in my life uh, except for Alexis that I could confide in. Alexis is my wife, for those of you who don't know. Um, and, and, and I really just didn't have this pressure release valve in my life for my stress. And so Alexis and I decided that we were going to go uh, on a mini vacation to an amusement park uh, near where we were living. And, and, and I remember that that first roller coaster uh, that I got onto, okay, this is, I was probably 20, uh, how old, 28, right? About 28. And, um, and so I'd ridden roller coasters in the past, but uh, this was different. This was new. And I remember getting strapped into that roller coaster and, and the, the car just kind of, you know, chick, 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 chick up the hill. And, and, and I mean, it, you know, there's this kind of building experience. Excitement, adrenaline starting to flow. There's almost like anticipation that I could die at any moment. Um, I mean, that doesn't happen very often, but it could. And um, and so, uh, you know, we we get up to the top of the hill, and then all of a sudden, everything like beneath me is gone, and, and all I can see is the ground. And we just start soaring down the hill and through a loop to loop. And and I remember as like the wind was like rushing at my face, and the sound of the car and the tracks and everything was just really loud. I just let out the biggest scream, the biggest yell, the biggest shout that I, I had. And it wasn't like I was forcing it out. It just came out of me. It, it was great. And and when we got back down onto the ground, I looked at Alexis right in the eyes and I said, like, I, I forgot that life could be so much fun. Like I had forgotten about it, you know, like that was such a great experience. And, and it was like I was reborn in that moment. And I went back to the job that I was working for and uh, I decided to quit uh, because I wasn't going to let anything um, in my life keep me from living with that kind of a joy. Um, I was a new person. And, and, and what I've had to learn from that experience is that, is that there are, it is important for us. It is important for us to, to find joy in places, uh, where maybe they're not so profound, but we, we've got to look for that kind of joy, uh, so that we can experience what, what Christ is doing for us. What I know is that the heart of God for us, is that we wouldn't have to uh, live in that kind of stress, that kind of suffering, that kind of pain uh, that was going on. We wouldn't have to deal with those kinds of things because our God loves us. Our God is full of emotion. He's not a God that's made of stone, but instead he is sensitive and tender. And there's nothing that we experience that is insignificant to our God. He loves us. And it's a love that, that he wants the very best for us. And when we fail to see how he cares for us, it grieves our God. But when we recognize uh, his blessing over us and we show him our gratitude, he is delighted. When we see God the way that God reaches out to us and we respond um, with thankfulness and worship, he is delighted. Richard Foster says it this way in his book uh, called Prayer. He says, dare we hold back. It brings joy to the heart of God when we grip that pierced hand and say simply and profoundly, thank you, bless you, and praise you. That should be our response to God, even in those small things. So I want to challenge you this morning uh, to find a way to let go of any distractions or hindrances that you may have and find a new outlet for praise and worship for the blessings that you have because of who Jesus is in your life. 
So we're going to take a moment and just um, consider a passage of Scripture that teaches us about real thanksgiving. We're going to read from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 17, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we'll read 11 through 19, those verses. And uh, the text will be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to uh, take notes in the margins, underline, scribble, do whatever you can. Just consume this passage of Scripture because it is powerful. Okay, verse 11, chapter 17 of Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, We're not the ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Let me just pray for us. Um, this morning as we begin. Oh, Heavenly God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his life, for his love, for his sacrifice, for the fact that he offers us so much blessing. We thank you that he has overpowered death through his resurrection and that we can experience that same resurrection through him. And we pray that we might rejoice with him today as we worship your son, Jesus. God, we love you. And we pray that you would be honored today, that you would be glorified today. God, be delighted in our praise and worship. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Now let's step back into this story. Okay. On the surface, this reads as a pretty uh, simple story in the life of Jesus. So he's met by this group of men that are in desperate need of healing. This is a group um, that have been cast out of society, of their communities because of a disease that they have. This is both a physical disease that uh, affects the skin and the body, but it's also a social disease where it affects the communities that they're a part of, that they're allowed to participate in, okay? And, and so it, the the disease was so devastating uh, for these people, it turned their worlds upside, upside down. In fact, if, if a person who was without the disease um, came within 50 yards of one of these lepers and the the wind was blowing on them from the lepers, then they could be considered unclean. You see how how much uh, uh, this would isolate uh, these lepers from everybody else. They were isolated from their wives, from their children, from their work, from their religious practices, from the town centers. Everything in their life was completely isolated from them. They had no more contact to their old normal life. Uh, if, if they were to touch someone or something, then they were, they, they had the possibility of passing the disease on and, and someone else would be called unclean. And so they were cast out of society, forced to find community with other outsiders from nearby towns. It, it was, it was a pretty desperate time for these lepers. And then here comes Jesus, and this is someone that they've heard of. They understand that he, um, performs miracles and all of a sudden they have hope. 
They have hope for a new life, a normal life, kind of to, to be reborn. And, and so they call out to Jesus because they believe that, that he can heal him. And so they say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us, they yell. And Jesus heals them, right? Uh, you know, he, he tells them to go back to their towns and to show themselves to their priests in order that they can be declared clean. And, and ultimately, then they can go back to their lives before leprosy. You know, back to their families, back to work, back to their friends, back to normal. So this was the normal process for for this time. And this is documented all throughout the Bible. When a priest or someone uh, healed someone from leprosy, then they would have to go back to uh, the temple, to the priest, and then they have to go through a, a, a rite of passage, so to speak, where, where they were declared clean. And then they were allowed to go back into their community. So they do exactly as Jesus tells them. And, and on the way back, they notice that their skin is changing. The sores are fading away and the skin is beginning to regain color. They're healed from their leprosy, just as Jesus said they would. Now, now I can imagine what these guys must have been like. Ten guys walking down the road. All of a sudden, their skin's kind of coming back to normal. They're, they're looking at it. They're like, whoa, this is crazy, you know? And, and, and I imagine that even there, they were beginning to celebrate just a little bit. You know, they, they must have had, um, like, these ideas of what's going to come next. It must have been one of the best feelings ever. Their hearts are racing. You know, their adrenaline is pumping. They're excited to be free once again from this deadly disease. They have an opportunity for new life. And so faster and faster and faster they go back to their life back to normal i mean it's possible that nothing else in their entire life has ever felt this satisfying or 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 this good so in my mind i just see them running back to that priest making plans in their heads for all of the things that they're going to do once the priest has declared them clean I mean, what would you do, right? You know, you've been cast out of society for so long. You've been living with this isolated group of people. They're your only community. And all of a sudden, you're able to come back to your life. What would you do? I know what I'd be doing. I'd be thinking about the homecoming party that I'm going to have. I'm thinking about seeing my family, hugging my children, kissing them, being with my wife again. Those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking of. And I'm sure that they were thinking of them too. This is their big return. This is their renewal of life. This is really their second chance. But not all of the men act the same way, right? Now, this is where the story gets interesting because there's this one man. When he recognized that he was healed, he returned to Jesus. And when he came back, Jesus asked this man three simple questions. First, we're not all ten cleansed, Jesus asks. Well, Jesus knows the answer to this, and I think we do too. Yes, they were all cleansed, okay? Um, you know, it, he, they all received the healing that Jesus gave. Every single one of those ten saw their leprous spots fade away and their skin to be, begin to heal. They were all given a new life, a second start. And then Jesus asked the one man that returned, where, where are the other nine? Now, here's... Here's where I kind of take pause in this story. And I, I, I know that this is where some of the significance is for us. Because I, I have to wonder, and, you know, like when I read it, I'm like, well, okay, where were they, right? We, we don't really know. The story doesn't tell us anything about where they were. We assume that they continued to go back to their uh, priests, back to their temple. Um, but the question that, that comes to me is how come they're not with Jesus, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I, but I think that, that these men really are a lot like us, okay? Once we get what we're really longing for, 
Once we, you know, find satisfaction for them, once they find healing from their leprosy, then we don't care about anything else, right? All right, I mean, think about it for yourself. Once you get what you're longing for, then what's next? For these men, their disease is all that they can think about. It changed everything for them. They were forced to leave everything in their life, and they were driven into solitude, They were the forgotten. They were the unclean. No one was allowed to be near them or else they may suffer the same fate of becoming unclean. And before they saw Jesus, their world was about misery, pain, loneliness, and desolation. And at the sight of Jesus, they they experienced hope. It meant that they had a chance to return to that abundance of life the way it once was. And it would be hard for a person to not remember how wonderful their life was before leprosy. And to get it back would be such a great gift. But these nine men, they chose not to return to Jesus. They kept on running toward their home, back to their life. And Jesus is upset by this. Where are the other nine, he asks. They're not with Jesus. But this one man returns. Now, I know that this is where we really need to to take a moment and pause and just think about it because this is where we need to understand what's going on so that we might be like this one man. When we experience healing or a miracle, there has to be more in our response than doing just what we're told. I mean, after all, that's what the other nine did. It was Jesus that told them to go to see their priest so they could be declared unclean. So, So really, what did they miss? Jesus looks down at the one man who returned and asks this final question. He says, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And so our focus, it it turns to the one. He's distinguished somehow. He's different. And we know that he's thankful, um, but he's the only one of the ten that we know for sure, um, you know, that his response was full of worship and thankfulness and gratitude. Scripture says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. See, this guy was different. He fell at the feet of Jesus. He praised him for the gift of healing, the gift of new life. And and this Samaritan that Jesus calls a foreigner, uh, this is a man who's despised by the Jews for his race. He's, He's avoided at all costs because of his disease. And he's throwing himself at the feet of Jesus, and he praises God in a loud voice. The joy and excitement of his new life without leprosy is clearly there. He pours out his gratitude to God at the feet of Jesus. That's what worship is, right? The Samaritan knows that his family is going to be excited to see him return. The Samaritan knows that there's probably going to be a party that's forthcoming when he comes back. But he responds to Jesus first. Why? Think about it. What's a priest going to provide the Samaritan man that Jesus can't provide? Priest is going to give him access to God. But what the Samaritan realizes is that he has direct access to God right there at the feet of Jesus. It's much better to be with Jesus than it is to go back to the priest and worship God in some temple on some mountain someplace. He recognized that Jesus was God. And so he said, that's where I want to be at his feet. This man knows who healed him, and he doesn't waste any time to give back to God the worship that God deserves. 
Now, I don't know if you guys are like me, but this passage, it's convicting because I know that I am guilty of not thanking God, of not worshiping him right there in the moment when he has healed me, when he has rescued me and when he has saved me. I've seen the hand of God in my life. He's taken me out of my despair. There have been times when when I've recognized what he was doing, but I failed to 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 worship him, give him the appropriate response. And I missed out. I missed out on that moment with God in his very presence. And I can't get it back. Now, I don't know if it's, it's because I didn't fully recognize what was going on. I, I don't know um, if, if I missed opportunities um, you know, or, or, or I missed seeing exactly what Jesus was doing. But I know now that I don't ever want to miss that again. I want my eyes to be open Just like the Samaritan, I want to see something in Jesus that the other nine didn't see. The Samaritan recognized God in Jesus. Listen to that scripture once again. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. The Samaritan was the only one who saw that Jesus was God While the others headed off in another direction, this man recognized that God was right there and he fell at Jesus' feet. I can't explain what the Samaritan saw. I don't know why he was able to see Jesus while the other people missed him. Um, I don't know what they were experiencing. Maybe it was the excitement of seeing their family again or knowing um, that they had to get to a priest to be declared clean, but they failed to worship God for the nine And this is important. Full healing didn't come to them until they met with a priest. Because the priest is the one that's going to declare them clean, right? That that was the big payout for them. That they could be clean again and brought back into their society, into their culture, into their community. Um, For them, it wasn't about meeting with God. It was about life returning back to normal. And so they chose not to return to Jesus because... I guess it could have been considered a waste of time. (laughs) Such a sad thought. But I think we do this all the time. We miss moments because we're focused on something else. It's that next thing, right? We've got to get on to the next thing and move on. Or we're so focused on what's happening to us that we don't recognize the one who is actually blessing us. It's from God where everything good comes from, right? So when, when those things come, our response should be just like the Samaritan to come back to the one who has blessed us and worship at his feet again. The next time that you encounter God, the next time that I encounter God, I hope that we choose to stay there with him, that we bow before his throne and we worship him and allow him to minister to our souls. That's the greatest gift ever. The story of the thankful Samaritan should teach us that our responsibility is to acknowledge who God is and to worship him at his throne. It's so simple and yet so many of us miss it. For whatever reason... Whatever next thing we're moving on to, whatever next person or next appointment, we missed Jesus standing in front of us waiting to receive our praise and adoration. It's beautiful to encounter the living God, the creator of all things. And and while it's um, in opposition to our culture, we should desire to linger right there in that place in his presence just to be with him. This is the place that we need to be. 
And we need to let the Lord continue to, the work, to do the work of restoration in our lives. Because he'll heal us. He will restore us to our families and to our lives. But, but in him, there's, there's so much more if we recognize him and worship him with our praise and thanksgiving. See, the, the nine missed out on the full blessing. The full healing. For whatever reason, they didn't return to Jesus, I'm not sure. But really, the why isn't so as, isn't so as important as, as the what and what they miss. See, Jesus says to the Samaritan after he falls at his feet, rise and go for your faith will make you well. And that's a blessing. These are, these are words that, um, I pray that everyone gets to hear spoken over them at some point. That our faith makes us well. See, Jesus' words to this man, they, they were more than just about his physical healing. His being rescued from his leprosy. See, here's a man who's, who called out to Jesus for healing. And when he saw that he had been healed, he returned to Jesus to worship him. Now, I don't think that Jesus is just restating his miracle. You've been healed. Yeah, I know, Jesus. What else you got for me? That's not what the Samaritan man is doing. What Jesus is saying is, is he's performing another miracle for the man. The word spoken by Jesus to be well, it actually means to be made whole, to be complete, to be beautiful. This is absolute restoration. Not not only was the man healed from his leprosy, but because of his response, because it led to worship, Jesus healed his soul. What does that mean? It means that he's he's got a, a, a he's he's whole again. He was once a leper cast out of community. And before that, he was a cast, um, outcast among the Jews because of his race. But now, Jesus has cured him of both of these afflictions. Sure, this man is still going to be looked down upon other people because of his race. But Jesus, master and creator of everything, the healer of all, he now accepts this man just as he is because of his worship. Because he chose to thank Jesus first. Not only was he healed from his leprosy, But he would now live with Jesus eternally. Another way to say this is that the other nine, while they were healed from their leprosy, and they have a second chance at life, because they didn't recognize the Messiah, because they didn't recognize God in Jesus, their bodies are still going to die. Yeah, they don't have leprosy anymore, but they're still going to a grave and they will not be resurrected from that grave to live with Jesus eternally. They don't get to experience that full blessing. See, Jesus was offering more than just healing that day. He was offering eternal life to anyone that would worship him as God. And and that's cause for celebration, right? Any of us. Any of us who choose to worship Jesus, to, to, to fall at his feet and to thank him and to recognize that he is God, we get to experience a healing that can subdue all other pain. It's the only remedy that restores us completely. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him results in our eternal life with him. This is the message of the gospel that Jesus is offering that day, right? This is what Jesus came to do. He came to restore us all, to complete us all. And and, and I want my eyes to be open to him, to see those things so that I can recognize him right where he is, doing what he's doing so that I can worship him there. I don't want to miss out on what Jesus is doing anymore because of the distractions that are in my life. And I hope that you would want to worship him in the same way. I mean, do you see the hand of Jesus 
healing you, working in your life? If so, how then will you respond? I mean, I think of all the times that I see God at work, and for one reason or another, I don't necessarily fall down as fast as I should. Maybe I think I'm going to come and worship God at church later, or I'm going to, um, you know, do it later at home. Um, but in that moment, in that choice, I miss Jesus. I'm sure many of you have seen the hand of God, but you've waited to worship. You didn't acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God right there. But we can't let those moments go. We can't let them get away from us. If we want to be like the Samaritan, then we need to acknowledge that we recognize all of the things that Jesus does in our lives and worship him right there, right now, right in this moment. So I want to ask you this question. How has God healed you? How has God worked in your life? How has he restored you? Has he healed your marriage? Has he blessed you with healthy children? Has he given you friends and family that support you when you're you're at your lowest? Has he provided you with shelter? Has he healed your addiction? What has he done for you? How have you seen him? Because those things are worthy of his worship. Those things are worthy of his praise. Now, I realize that that worshiping Jesus that way um, can be scary. And what I also recognize is that day when I was on the roller coaster and I was with Alexis, the reason that I was able to shout for joy, the reason I was able to, to be so loud and exuberant in that moment is because there was so much noise going on. The, the, the roller coaster was all around me. It was like kind of screaming in my ears. And so I felt free to scream. It's like when we're near a roaring ocean or a pounding waterfall, right? You know, the, the, the voice that we have, the yells that we have, they just get consumed by all the other noise that's going on. And in those places, it's so easy. It's so easy to shout for joy. And so when we come to a place like this, it can be really frightening because we're going to stand out. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be heard. People are gonna hear what we're saying, and that can be really frightening. But I wanna challenge you this morning. I wanna challenge you to not worry about that, to not allow that to become a distraction from how you choose to worship God. Because here's the reality is that when we learn to be loud and exuberant in our praises, when we start to, to shout out what we believe to God and what we thank God for and, and how he's working in our lives, then somewhere deep within us, there's this quiet murmuring that starts to come out. This still small voice that becomes part of our normal speech, part of our normal worship to him. And I believe these deep whispers of our soul are the places where we can delight in Jesus um, in every moment of our life, the place where we can learn to thank him for everything big and small. We worship him for our healing of whatever disease we may have, right? But we also worship him for the warmth of the sun on a cold day, big and small. We thank him for our family when, when we hear the cries of a newborn son or daughter and the gentle breaths that they take when we sneak into their bedroom at night just to watch him sleep. We worship him big and small. We thank him for the church that will fight against the enemy and advance the kingdom of God. And we worship him for the church that will tenderly weep with us when we lose a loved one, big and small. We learn to worship him in all circumstances, realizing that he loves us more than we will ever understand. And so we desire to be with him as often as we can in his presence, at his feet, 
at the foot of his throne, we have reason to thank him. We have reason to come back to him and to fall at his feet and worship him and receive that full blessing, the greater blessing that will make us whole, that will make us complete, that will make us well. Can you feel that deep sense of how much God wants to meet with you? How he wants to delight in you as you worship him? This is the time right now to throw off all of those hindrances, all of those distractions, all of those fears and anxieties about what other people might think and say, no, I'm here to worship God. That's the only reason I'm here and that's the only thing that matters. This is the place that I want to linger. I want to enjoy his presence. And so I invite you now to come to worship. We're going to sing his praises. And as God leads you, I want to encourage you to just praise him to delight in him while he delights in you. Let me pray for us and then I'm going to invite you to stand and worship. Jesus, we are so grateful for your life, for your death and for your resurrection. We're thankful that we get to participate in your resurrection because you invite us into it and we don't want to miss it. And so we just want to fall at your feet and worship this morning. Let us, let us, Jesus, focus on you. Let us not be distracted. Let us not be concerned with anything else around us or anyone else around us, but let us just focus on you. Be the center of our attention, Lord Jesus. We pray these things now in this moment, that you would receive our worship. Amen. Amen. Now come and worship the King. very easy for us to worship God here in this place, right? Because we're around other people that we trust, that we know we're the community of God, we're the believers. Uh, But when we go out there, it becomes more difficult. It becomes a a harder place for us to truly offer him our thanks and our praise and our worship whenever we see him moving in our lives. And so I want to offer us this prayer as we go that we might be able to think about, that we might be able to um, honor him even in the small moments. And so let's just pray this way. Oh, most high glorious God, how great is my dilemma in your awful presence. Silence seems best. And yet if I keep my peace, the rocks themselves will cry out. But if I do speak, what will I say? It is love that calls forth my speech, though it feels like stammering. I love you, Lord God. I adore you. I worship you. I bow down before you. Thank you for your gifts of grace, the consistency of sunrise and sunset, the wonder of colors, the solace of voices I know. I magnify you, Lord. Let me see your greatness to the extent that I can receive it. Help me bow in your presence in endless wonder and ceaseless praise in the name of him whose adoration never failed us. Thank you, God. We pray this in your son's wonderful and holy name. Amen and amen. We're going to continue to worship. I pray that you would just um, enjoy the presence of God and go in his blessing today. Thank you, church. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. 
If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.